Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. Come, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you this morning that all of this is for you, Jesus, that we come and we gather together as a family um, because we want to lift up your name. And as we do, that you will draw all men unto yourself. Um, We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you direct us, that you lead me, and I thank you for open hearts, for hearts that are ready to receive for good good soil, um, and that the word will penetrate, um, that it will fall on good ground and bear much fruit in the weeks and months to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, So this morning, I... Yes, I wanted to share a prophetic word, and this is very new to me. I've, I've, done, I've shared prophetic words with individuals one-on-one, but I felt corporately God actually just confirming things that he'd placed in my heart um, for this year individually. And, and so I'd, I'd written them down, and I'd been meditating on them. And, and then as the year, um, as the new year started in the first two or three weeks in January, um, I'd read other prophetic sort of declarations that had come from sources that I follow, and they seemed to have confirmed the things that God has spoken into my heart. And so I felt God saying, it's not just for you, Lauren, I believe it is for the church. And um, so I want to present these to you. Um, I want to come and, and just call forth the promises of God. Um, and, and, and these promises and the, the things that I feel like God wants to focus on this year, it's not, it's every year. <laughs> and you'll see later why when I share them, it's, it's promises that are available to us every year. But sometimes there's a grace period to, to deal with certain things or to go deeper into some a specific area. And he highlights certain seasons. There's a season and a time for certain things. So I believe these um, Topics, four topics that I'm going to speak about are um, in season for this year. And I've titled my sermon 2018 Inheritance. And inheritance refers to property or goods received after a family member dies. Okay, so inheritance, you need to be in a family to be able to receive an inheritance. Okay, in biblical times, the Jewish um, inheritance customs were specifically focused on bloodlines, okay? So you needed to actually be in that race to receive the inheritance. The Greek and Roman laws um, provided the, the disposition of family possessions um, through the adoption of an heir as well. So it wasn't just through the bloodline. It was also if you were adopted into that family, then you could become an heir of those possessions. Um, scripture transforms the concept of inheritance to include the acquisition of spiritual blessings and promises from God. The Old Testament and the Bible itself is full of inheritance. In the Old Testament, there's actually inheritance is referred to over 200 times. So it's a very relevant topic. It's something that God has obviously placed before us for a reason. Um, But I don't think we often take up our inheritance. I don't think we actually realize what um, possessions or what promises God has actually given to us. So in the theological sense, inheritance means to receive an irrevocable gift. And often the focus is um, not just what the gift is, but it's the intimacy and the connection between the one giving and the one receiving. Okay, so the inheritance goes so much more than just what are you receiving. 
Okay. Um, so like I said, these are, this is a prophetic declaration, and, I, and often with the prophetic, it, it shouldn't, if this is something God has been speaking to you about, then it's confirmation. <laughs> Maybe God will be speaking today, and I trust that this is from him, and if it is from him, then this, is a, this word will be a driving force for you to move, <laughs> Um, to not just go, I wonder if that was God. But if you hear something today that is confirmation, then it requires you to respond. It requires you to stand up and to say yes. Um, okay. So the focus here is on the number eight. Okay. So God had spoken to me about a few things. And then I read this prophetic declaration. And not all of them I've I've highlighted, um, there were just the two or three that God had spoken to me about, um, and, and those um, were linked to the number eight, so 2018. What is eight? Okay, eight in the Hebrew is the word chet, which is new beginning, so it means a fence. So it's a transitioning, there's a boundary line, there's a fence, and there's a moving beyond the fence. So it's a new beginning. It's a transitioning. So I believe this year, and many of the things that I'm going to t- speak about, requires a transition. It requires that you move from one place to the next. It requires action. Um, okay, and the number eight. Um, so creation took six days. God created in six days. On the seventh day, he rested, the Saturday. And on the Sunday was ultimately the eighth day. So it was the beginning of new. What God had done and created was there, and then we moved forward, and there was something new. Okay. So the first one I want to focus on there is um, covenant. Okay. Genesis 17. Before I read the scripture, um, I've come across lately quite a few people, and I think it's just since I've stepped into this position of um, pastoring, my husband and I are anointed as deacons, but um, being available for people to come and just talk to us. And I realize there's, it's, it, there's so many struggles around having healthy relationships, <laughs> um, both in a romantic sense, but also in friendships, in people living together, um, in family members. Um, there's, there's a struggle around unconditional love, around how to handle conflict. I think the enemy is just out to break down all forms of relationship. Um, and, yeah, so just with that in, in the background, I think we, we so often, when something wants to, when a relationship gets difficult, we want to run. We want to keep each other at a dis- distance. But God is inviting us to come closer. He's inviting us to move past the uncomfortable situations, okay? So let's read. Genesis 17 says, You are to undergo circumcision, and it will be the sign of the covenant between you and me for the generations to come. Every male among you who is eight days old must be circumcised, including those born in your household or bought with money from a foreigner, those who are not your offspring. Whether born in your household or bought with your money, they must be circumcised. My covenant in your flesh is to be an everlasting covenant. Okay, so there's the eight again, the circumcision that took place on the eighth day, which was a sign of covenant. And when, when the word was declared in the Bible, when it was written, often if it was a prophetic word, it would be proven to be true through the prophecies coming to pass. Okay. In another way, it was written because it was inspired by God, but it was only proved way after scientifically. 
Okay, and this was one of them. I went to just go read, and I was like, well, why the eighth day? And I'm going to read this because it's the best. Um, I can't, I'm not going to remember all of it. So I want you to listen and um, what I have to say, and then I'll just summarize it afterwards. It says, in 1935, Professor H. Dam proposed the name vitamin K for the factor in foods that helped prevent hemorrhaging in baby chicks. We now know vitamin K is responsible for the production of the element known as prothrombin. If vitamin K is deficient, there will be a prothrombin deficiency and hemorrhaging may occur. Oddly, it is only on the fifth through the seventh day of a new male-born's life that vitamin K is produced and present in adequate quantities. Okay, so what he's basically saying is that if surgery had to take place before the eighth day, then there was a risk of the baby dying. Okay, so the vitamin K is built up. It says there between, what did it say? Fifth through the seventh day, which is needed so that the hemorrhaging doesn't take place. So it wasn't just ironic or coincidental. God <laughs> loves his children. He knows that this circumcision is not going to be to the detriment of the child. And I believe what God is saying is that there's been certain aspects, certain pains or hurts from the past or things in our heart that we are unable to address or allow God to come in and heal because we feel that it's going to cause hemorrhaging. We feel that in our hearts we are unable to deal with those things. The pain is too great. Um, And I feel like God is saying that the vitamin K is sufficient. In your life this year, he is going to take you to places and deliver you and heal you from things that you were unable to previously go towards, allow him into. And those aspects of our heart, whether it's a fear of rejection or whether it's um, just so much uncertainty, a pain, an event that happened to you, causes us to, uh, to be unable to connect with people in relationship. And so God is saying this year... My heart is for you. My heart is to heal you from those things. I've given you sufficient, and to me the vitamin K is a sufficient revelation of his love, a sufficient revelation of his character, that he is good. Then when he wants to come and bring healing and deliverance, it's not to expose, it's not to break down, but it's so that you can flourish in relationship. It's so you can flourish in the covenant. Okay, and so... um, I feel like God is just saying that this year, especially in family, especially in church family, we, we can no longer keep each other at a distance. We can no longer come to church on a Sunday and be marginalized and kept outside because we don't want to allow people to come close. Or that running from conflict or, or not allowing him to come into certain places in your heart because it's too sore. He's inviting us to say, I want to show you what unconditional love is. What does love that pursues, love that um, does not boast, love that is pure, love that is kind, love that serves, that's the love that he's wanting to really establish and root in our hearts um, this year. Okay. So, and growing in community, growing in family requires that we have a, a proper revelation of what that covenant love is. Okay. So I feel that specifically, if you 
this year, if there's something that is on your heart that you know, you know that you, sometimes you're just like, I can't deal. <laughs> just like, I can't deal with this right now. I'm going to just continue with my walk with God and that white elephant in the room. There's grace for the white elephant in the room to have been there, but this year God's saying we're going to go and we're going to deal with that white elephant. But that re- it requires a yes from your, your side. It requires for you to say, yes, God, come and circumcise my heart. Okay, the second one is open doors. Um, what I've seen also, and, and even in my own life, is God places a vision in your heart. He comes and he births something, of, uh, a promise. Even someone else comes and confirms the promise. But it's almost like you, when you push the door, it's, it's stuck. You push a bit hard and you hear the cracking sound and you're just like, okay, I'm going to step it back a bit. Um, or there's opportunities in work. There are um, people coming to you and suggesting things, but there's confusion, there's doubt. You know, there's an inability to know what should I do, what should I... And, and often it brings anxiety, especially when there's finances involved. You, you're un, you know that you should take a risk, but you don't know um, what is the outcome going to be, what's going to be on the other side. Um, you've been waiting for God. You've been almost in that place of just waiting and waiting. And um, yeah, so I just want to share what I felt God saying about open doors this year. But let's first read Leviticus eight thirty three. Um, it says, "And you shall know not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall consecrate you." And really what Leviticus 8 is, is about is about Moses that God has commanded him to anoint Aaron and the sons for the ministry, for the priesthood. Um, he's, go read the whole of Leviticus 8 leading up, but there's so, there's so many acts that they need to do, and there's anointing, and there's sacrifice. The preparation is detailed. Um, and it's just Moses that's obeying the voice of God, that is saying, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to prepare him. This is how I want you to anoint him. Um, and as the anointing that, was, that Aaron had um, set him aside for the, the service that God had to fulfill the promise and the call on his life. And so I, I felt God just saying that this year he's releasing people into the platform that they have desired for him to see. If you have a desire in your heart and you've been waiting on God and he, you've been faithfully just waiting and he's been saying, not yet, not yet. I believe for some of you, the doors are going to open this year, but it's going to open before you even get to the door. So you're just going to be able to walk. You're just going to walk in obedience and in rest with God and he's going to go before you. I feel like in the workplace, God is also going to bring promotion and specifically influences. So the Josephs and the Daniels that you're going to step into a gap, there's going to be positions become available. And previously, you haven't had the peace to step into those positions because you know it's been a time of preparation. Okay. And so I want you to hear God's voice. And this, this one specifically, if this is from God, then it'll be a confirmation to you. Some of you are sitting there as well, and you know God is saying, still wait. <laughs> you're still in the seven days of consecration. And don't despise the seven days. Okay, and that's where the eighth, the, the seven days leading up to the eighth day of release, the seven days, God just saying, wait with me, stay with me, I want to build your character, you are more important than the contribution, you are more important than what you have to give, and your gift can bring you somewhere, but if your character doesn't back it up, it's going to burn you, it's going to break you, 
And God is just, he is a God that is good and faithful and he leads us up. He sets us up for success, but it requires trust. And some of you, I just, I feel like there's a veil over and you have been unable to see, okay? It's, it's almost, it's, it's, you've felt like a closing in and you haven't known what God is doing, but he's, he's been kept you inside, inside the, the, the doors um, of preparation. And so you've been, it's almost like you've grown a little bit delusional. But God is saying he's lifting that veil this year, and he will bring answers to questions that you've had in the last while. When you step into something and you, you'll go, oh, that's why that happened. Oh, that's why you took so long. <laughs> oh, that's why your ways are higher, because I see again. So do not despise the time of preparation. Do not, do not despise the time. But I want, I want to release those that feel you need to step. I want to release you. And even in the church, if you feel as if there's something that you have to give, there's a dream or vision, and God said, write it down, but wait. We want you, if you feel a release, to come and talk to us about it. To not, be, to not have a false humility to say, but I'm promoting myself. And the thing with, um, with this is that when, God, when Aaron, when they were released, they didn't have to maintain the platform because it was God's timing of release. It was God's timing. He opened the doors. He said, the work that I've done for now um, is complete. You may go. And the thing about the family as well is that um, when, when this, this inheritance is a family inheritance, um, your parents often are the ones that open the doors and close the doors for you when you're young. They decide which schools you go to. They often even have an influence over who your friends may be. I, didn't, I never liked that because I just wanted to be friends with everyone. But my mom knew, you know. My mom, I was, grew up in a single family and I had to trust her at times. I remember wanting to get a scooter so badly. Everyone had a scooter. You were cool if you had a scooter, you know. And she was a nurse. She'd seen, so for her, I mean, bless you all that had scooters. Your parents loved you. I'm not saying they didn't love you. But for my mom, it was, it was something that I had to trust her, you know. She, she could either open that door to receive something or not. And the blessing of waiting upon an open door to be opened by God is that he knows the full picture, and so the inheritance from him is not just an open door, any open door, because sometimes there are too many open doors. Have you ever been in that situation? You're like trusting God for a job, or you're trusting him for a husband, and then all of a sudden there are three guys that are knocking on your door, and you're like, oh dear, <laughs> what am I supposed to do now? God, I've waited 10 years. Where were these three guys? You know? So sometimes you need to go, God, um, you need to show me which is the door that needs to be opened you know, which door, um, and that's the beauty of a family, that's the beauty of trusting, even in, in our family, in a sense, you know, Stefan and Henny represent father figures as well, to come and talk to them about the different open doors, you know, trust God in the, as, um, to speak through them as the father figures. Okay, the third one is um, his presence, okay, now, this is this is what I meant by his presence isn't just for 2018. <laughs> Hopefully not. It's all the time. <laughs> um, but what I'm, yeah, what, don't you ever feel like sometimes you, you're just doing the right thing? You're serving in the right places. You're reading the Bible. You're answering the right questions. You're sharing, but you're not experiencing his presence. You know, it, it feels there's a distance. It feels dry. It feels... Um, 
And there are times where, where you go through that. There's a time, there's, there are times where um, God doesn't move away from you. Okay? And we, need to, we need to understand that God remains the same. He is steadfast. Sometimes we distance ourselves from God. Okay? But I think so often there's, there's just this, why is someone else experiencing the presence of God? Why can I see that poor person? Why can I see they, them walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit? You know, and um, yeah, and I just want to read the, the Leviticus 9 1 to 4 that says, On the eighth day, Moses summoned Aaron and his sons and the elders of Israel. He said to Aaron, Take a bull calf for your sin offering and a ram for your burnt offering, both without defect, and pres- present them before the Lord. Then say to the Israelites, Take a male goat for a sin offering, a calf, and a lamb both a year old and without defect, for a burnt offering, and an ox and a ram for a fellowship offering to sacrifice before the Lord, together with a grain offering mixed with the olive oil. For today the Lord will appear to you. They took the things Moses commanded to the front of the tent of meeting, and the entire assembly came near and stood before the Lord. And then Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded you to do, so that the glory of the Lord may appear to you. And I shared this word in Santon, and um, Baranay said his lips started watering because he wanted to do a spit bry with all the offerings. Baranay, is that still the case? <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, and so in the Old Covenant, for the Lord to appear and, and for the presence of God to come and reveal that he's you know, you needed to bring sacrifices. There was a sin offering, and there was a peace offering, and there was a grain offering, and there was, in a sense, um, just these these sacrifices. Well, not in a sense, but there were these sacrifices that needed to be made before God. And if He was pleased with them, He would come and consume them, and the, the presence of God would be revealed. Okay. That's the, that is the old covenant. In the new covenant, Jesus in Hebrews 10, 14 says, For by one sacrifice, God has forever perfected those who are being sanctified. And so he is the one sacrifice. Jesus is the one sacrifice that even in our um, sin and in our process of becoming like Jesus, he has already made the way. And so he has torn the veil so that we can experience the presence of God in its fullness. And I just, um, I realized that I want to say our intentions are right. (laughs) We want to do the right things, but in a sense it comes from pride. (laughs) In a sense it's it's my contribution, and I find confidence in what I am able to do. You know, as someone actually said in the last week, um, they were saying the example of this guy driving to work, and um, he said, you know, he, was, he had not work, he was driving to, for an interview, and he said to God, God, if I don't get a, a, a parking spot now, I'm going to lose this job. And 30 seconds later, a parking spot opens up, and he's like, don't worry, God, there's a parking spot. You know? <laughs> And it's just that, you know, it's just that, <laughs> it's just that thing of, do we actually declare our dependency on God? And when it does come through, do we give him the glory for it? You know, that he is close to those of a broken heart and saves such who, have, who has a contrite spirit. And so this year in 2008, um, and, and just 
again here, it says the eighth day, they came and brought these sacrifices and he appeared to them. And so if you have a hunger for the presence of God, there's an invitation for you to come and actually just cry out from your innermost being. To have a contrite spirit means I'm in desperate need of a savior. And so God is saying this year and everything and the small things and in all things that you do to not find the confidence in your own ability and in self, but actually just to surrender and to have it a way of life to say, I want, Father, I want you to come and step in. I want to be the one um, that surrenders all to you. And I want to link it back to um, that Luke 15, where it's not, not on here, but it's uh, the prodigal son. And, you know, we know the story of the prodigal son, that the younger brother gets his inheritance and he runs off and he squanders it. Um, and he said, you know, the servants in my father's house have food to eat. How much more will he just give to me? And he comes back and the father sees him. You know, in his desperation, he's just saying, I, I have nothing, but please, can I just come? And the father was pleased with him and ran to him. And then the older brother says, what's going on? You know, and the servant says they, they slaughtered the fattened calf. Um, and the, and this, the older brother goes to him, um, the father, and, he, and he's, he says, look, the... Um, Look, these many years I have served you. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But then the son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes. You killed the fattened calf for him. And the father's response is, but son, you are always with me. And all that is mine is yours. And it's like the older son was he was unable to enjoy the father's presence because he was so focused on doing the right things. He was so focused on trying to have the right answers and trying to make sure that he gets his father's approval. And the father's saying, but I've always been here. And I feel like God this year is going to shift our focus and create, um, almost lift a veil for us to stop focusing on perfection and the things that are right and the things that are, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm praying in the right way and I'm speaking in the right way as a Christian. And, you know, um, even, even in our families, we feel like we need to be the strong Christian. Do you understand? We can't look weak for them because, you know, if we are we're the only example, then, you know, how can, how can they turn towards um, God? I can tell you that unbelievers look straight through that. They see straight through that, they want to see a real heart that says, I'm in need of Jesus, um, and the presence of God comes and pours out. And I, you know, I was just thinking again with Benjamin and Caleb and my two sons with their father. In a family, you are aware that the father is with you. Do you understand? You have proximity and closeness to the father. You don't have to come and say, can I be in your presence because I have done this and I have done that and I have done. The father is there. The Father is with you. He is in the house. He's saying, come close. You know, I love that. Joy, come sit on my lap. Joy. And God is inviting you to come closer this year. He's inviting you to move closer to him. I also believe that um, really this year in your workplace and in your family, people are going to start seeing the presence of God upon your life. Um that, you know, I remember being at, um, when I worked at Deloitte, and I would experience, 
I would have quiet time in the morning and, and I have an overwhelming sense of joy and I would walk into the office and I had one director that, that, would, that would often ask, what, what happened? Why? Why are you so happy? You know, what can't be? You know, I was very real. I wasn't happy all the time. There were moments where I got fed up because the computer didn't work or whatever. But there was something that he recognized you know, there was, there was a, and we don't, we, we think, oh, they can see the presence of God. You know, it's this golden glow, you know. No, maybe. <laughs> maybe it is. I don't know. I've seen when Stefan and I go for breakfast and God, we're talking about something really profound. I've seen an angel behind him. And, um, but it, it's happened two or three times. You know, it doesn't happen all the time that we see something natu- in the natural eye. But it's the fruit of the spirit that they see. You know, the presence of God, in a sense, is the fruit of peace and joy and long-suffering and kindness and gentleness. Um, And then they ask, but what is that? Why? And so if you have a desire for that, to not just be a Christian that comes on a Sunday, but actually has a life that means and walks in the presence of God, God is saying, come with a broken and contrite heart, and I will be close to you. Okay. And the last one is um, his resurrection power. I don't know if you, have you ever walked into an environment and you, you just feel so disheartened because there's another person that is in a wheelchair or there's another person that you see is overcome by heaviness and depression and you feel like, I can't help. You know, I don't know if I can pray. I don't know, you know, um, what I actually have to give to them, or maybe you've walked into a situation and you feel so influenced by the environment. You walk in and you feel like everyone is looking at you. Everyone can see your demons. Has anyone felt like that? I don't know. I have. I feel like you walk in there. I'm like, whoosh, they can see rejection. They can see fear. Oh, dear. Try and be bold, strong. Woo. Um, but it's, you know, you, you, you're almost influenced by the environment. I believe God is just saying, he is moving us. Oh, there's my timer as well. Let's just stop that. Okay. Um, he said he's inviting us to, to influence our environment. He wants us to create atmospheres that when we walk in, we walk and we see the power of God, that we are not believers that say things and we, we say we believe God heals. We say believe God, God delivers, but... We are not actually able (laughs) or we're not willing to step out and test, is his word what it says it is? If in Matthew 10 it says, go and heal the sick, go and raise the dead, go and um, set the captives free, are we willing to actually allow the spirit of God to come upon us and move through us in power? And Luke 24, 1 to 6 says, Now, on the first day of the week, um, and as I said earlier, the first day, um, almost being like an eighth day, the previous week was a seven day. So we see that as the eighth day, just again with the theme of 2018. You're getting that, eh? Eight. Okay, great. Just checking. Um, Very early in the morning, eight is great. It is a great year. My, My cousin turned 38 this year. She says it's her 30 great year. So I was like, I like that, 30 great. This is going to be a great year. I really believe that. Last year was tough for many. Who had a tough year? I had a tough year last year. I believe that was preparation for what's coming, okay? 
Um, they, now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And it happened, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and bowed their faces on the earth, they said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. And that resurrection power is for us. If you have made a commitment to Jesus as your Savior and you have confessed the sinner's prayer and you have received the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit of God, he is also called, he is a Spirit of power. And so we need to stop changing the subject when someone doesn't get healed. God is saying, I want you to stop making excuses for me. I want you to stop trying to give answers to people. Keep praying. Keep praying for deliverance. Keep praying for healing. Many of the generals of the face, faith, face, many of the generals of the face, of the faith, um, will say, and I've read about them, it wasn't often the first 10 people that they prayed for that got healed. It was often the 60th, (laughs) you know, and it's just that place of going, God, I want to be a Christian that doesn't just say things, but my life enacts that, and it's going to require that we move out of our comfort zone. It's going to require that we we say, do you know what, the rejection from this person that says no to my prayer is not as great, is is not going to intimidate me as much as the desire to fulfill the will of God, okay? We need to remind ourselves that, that once again, that that power in the context of family is something that we inherit because of the name that we have. Okay. So when you, and I'll get to this just now, but if you have accepted Jesus and you've come into a split position of sonship, you have his surname in a sense. So you have that backing behind you when you start praying for people. We see it all over the media, in, um, you know, in government circles, in the corporate space. Power has been abused. And the power often comes from your surname. Was I born into the right blood, bloodline? You know, that power, people desire power for the wrong reason. How amazing is it if we understand that we have the power of God, we have the backing of God, we have his surname, and it is for the glory of the kingdom, Doesn't it bless you when you see a powerful family using their wealth for something that brings life? When you actually see them using their surname for change, for growth. And God is inviting us to that. He's saying, will you use my surname for change, for growth? Okay. And so, in conclusion... Going back to the inheritance and saying, well, you need to be in a family for inheritance. And inheritance only comes when someone dies. Okay, if you look at um, my mom, you know, God works in funny ways. Because <laughs> I, I preached this sermon in Santon, and I said to Henny, well, if we are one church, then should I not preach it in Randburg as well? Because he'd actually about two weeks beforehand say he wants Stefan and myself to come here and to preach more often. And, um, and so I said, okay, well, I'm going to preach this sermon. And then you doubt. Then you're like, no, am I just preaching it because? You know, is it easy because I preached it before? 
It's very different for those that were in Santon. There's a lot more um, that I've added here. But this week, my mom, for the first time ever of my 34 years, emailed me her will this week, my inheritance, my natural inheritance. And I was like, God, that's very funny confirmation. <laughs> but cool. And you're just saying you're on the right track. You know, this is, I did check with her. You're not going anywhere soon. You're, there's no sickness. Why are you sending me your will? But, um, you know, but in, in, in the laws, you know, le- legally, someone needs to die in order for inheritance to take place. And for us, Jesus has died. You know, he has died so that we can walk in the inheritance of God now already that we can walk in the fulfillment and the promises of God, not one day when we die and go to eternity and when we go to heaven, but now already. He has made that way. Okay, just want to read Romans um, 8, 15, verse 17 says, The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children. We are God's children. We are in his family. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. In Titus 3, 5 and 7, and the band can come up. It's my last scripture. He says, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done. The older brother But because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. We become heirs. We become co-heirs with Christ. We have that inheritance. And I want us to stand. I... Um, I've realized and I've seen um, two people can get saved at the same time. And in essence, there's that, there's that invitation to sonship. But And maybe it's just through a lack of actually researching and understanding what sonship is. What does it look like? What does it look like to be in the family of God? What does it... Um, what are the promises? And that's where legacy, and I've, with Renette, I've done legacy about seven times. It's the Encounter 3 series for, for those that are new. Um, I, I feel like every person should do legacy or E3 and Liberty E4 at least once every two years. <laughs> Just to remind yourself, who, remind us who we are. Um, and in there, it speaks a lot about sonship. It speaks a lot about what does it look like to be the family of God. And, but I'm seeing that those two people that get saved, five years down the line, they may look totally different. Because the one has just said, well, I'm saved, so that's cool. I'm going to church and I'm going to heaven. The other one is going, I'm a child of God. So if Isaiah 61 says... The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound. He says later, you will have, instead of your shame, you will have double honor. Um, There's just so many promises from God. There's so much inheritance that we have from him. But we are 
we're not wrestling for our inheritance. <laughs> we're not actually going, do you know what? This is not my portion. And so when you experience an overwhelming anger or frustration or fear or rejection or loneliness or um, being unfairly treated, we sort of just let it pass sometimes. But God, and if we go, but I'm a child of God, that's not my portion. <laughs> and it doesn't mean that you strive and you go, what is my portion, God? It's about, God, give me what is rightfully mine. If honor is my portion and my whole life I've been shamed because of my race, because of my gender, because of my looks, because of whatever, it, my sexual orientation, but I've come to know you and you say honor and you know, Psalm, I think one of the, Psalm 34, it says, they look to me and their faces are unashamed. If that is a promise, do you walk in that? <laughs> do you actually go and claim up the inheritance that God has for you? Do you allow your relationships to be difficult and confrontational? And there's nothing wrong with confrontation in marriage. I mean, relationship, please, it does happen. But to the degree that you hurt each other, to the degree that you want to break each other down, or do you say, this is because of a past hurt, this is because something of the past, but this is not God's portion for me. And so I just want to invite people today, you know, even just something like for a mom the word says, I, I give my, my beloved sleep. Is that how? So for a mom, if that's my portion, then I'm going to trust God. That in a, You know, young babies, my son's nine months old now. He's teething. In these three months, I'm not going to sleep, and that's okay. <laughs> but, but some nights, I'm going to say, God, I really need sleep. And then I'm going to see the grace of God come, and my son sleep for six, seven hours, or whatever it might be. That is real. That is a promise that God has. But so often we just want to place things on ourselves. We want to be like, don't worry, I'll work this out. I'll do it in my own way. And God, I'll just, I'll just invite you into the space that God is saying, I'm the father. I have a good inheritance for you. And especially for those that do not have earthly inheritance. Um, God, is, God is saying that your portion is good. Psalm 16, he says, your portion is good. That, do you believe that? Your portion is good. He has a good portion for you. He is a good father. And we find status and comfort in knowing that my father is going to give me a car, my father is going to give me a house, or whatever that inheritance might be. But God is saying the inheritance that I have for you is so much more. My inherit, the inheritance I have for you is the fulfillment of life. It is joy. It is a God-centered identity. It is eternal mindset. My inheritance for you is Isaiah 6 that says the nations as your inheritance. The, say, the lives that are lost, that, that is your inheritance. And so I want to I specifically feel, I feel like God is saying there are many here that you haven't had a father that has given you anything that has set you up for success in a sense going forward. But God is saying tonight, I'm set, this morning, I'm setting you up for success. But I want you to see the inheritance that I have for you specifically. And in this week, when, when I was just reminded with the, with the will that my mom sent me, it says, um, on the legal terms, but basically my sister and myself get 50% equal portion. And I remember my mom about five years ago sitting me down and saying she had previously said, okay, my sister gets 25% and I get 75% because my sister's husband is really wealthy in pounds. And so she felt 
But does she really need it? And she was convicted. It's a principle thing. And she just sat down and changed. And she said, Lauren, it's a principle. You and your sister get equal portions. And I just say, I feel like God is saying today, there's an equal portion of his love and his healing and his deliverance. Some of us have different callings, different talents. But in terms of his promises in the word, the person next to you has an equal portion. And if you believe that you are the family of God, if you believe that you have, if you have accepted him, and maybe you don't believe that actually you are in this family, then I want to invite you today to come and confess Jesus as your savior and to say, my spirit cries out to say, adopt me, Father. I have no earthly family. Would you adopt me? Would you become my father? But I sense some of you need to come forward and you need to come and wrestle with your inheritance. There's been things that you've tried to fix in your own life. You've been trying to open the door by yourself. You've tried to, to get this love thing right. Um, you've even tried to muster up his presence. Or maybe you've, you know, you've shied away from the power thing. And he's saying, it is already yours. But I need you to allow me to come and do the work in you. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.